Before we start today's Beef Watch podcast, I wanted to take a moment to thank you for being a listener. During the month of November, the Nebraska Extension Beef Team is asking for your feedback on the podcast. What content has been most valuable to you? And what topics would you like to see discussed in the future? If you'd be willing to take a few minutes to fill out a brief survey, we'd really appreciate it. The survey can be found at beef.unl.edu, and it's located there at the top of the homepage. Thanks again for being willing to do that for us. We really appreciate your feedback, and we hope you enjoy today's podcast. Welcome to the Beef Watch Podcast. I'm Aaron Berger, a Nebraska Extension Beef Educator. For today's Beef Watch Podcast, we're going to discuss an article from the November issue of the Beef Watch newsletter titled Drought Risk Management Planning. PRF insurance sign-up deadline is December 1st. To discuss this topic, I'm joined today by Dr. Jay Parsons, who's a farm and ranch management specialist at the University of Nebraska. Thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having me on, Aaron. Well, Jay, the deadline for pasture rangeland forage insurance is coming up here at the 1st of December. Let's talk a little bit about pasture rangeland forage insurance, what it is, and how producers might use it as a drought risk management tool. Yeah, certainly. And, uh, you know, it's been around a while in, it, in its current form as a rainfall index product. So we're going, I think, on year nine now coming up uh, in Nebraska, at least. But it is an index uh, policy. So it's based off of rainfall in what they call a grid. And in Nebraska, those grids are about 12 miles east to west by 16 miles north to south, roughly speaking. Um, it's based off of longitude and latitude, so it doesn't respect county lines, state lines, road section lines, none of that stuff. Um, but it is an index that's built up over a number of years, going all the way back to 1948. They have rainfall uh, numbers for these various grids, and you in, you can insure up to 90% of normal rainfall, which is like a longer-term average, uh, for that grid. Uh, by buying this pasture, rangeland, and forage insurance from your crop insurance agent. And uh, that coverage uh, is sold in two-month intervals, but it's sold on a calendar year basis, which is why we have that December 1 sign-up. So, so the sign-up right now would be for the 2023 calendar year, and you would select uh, various two-month intervals throughout the year that you want to insure rainfall on. And um, you can, like I said, you can insure up to 90% of normal for that two-month interval or as low as 70%. And if the actual rainfall index comes back below your insured level, then that's when you would get an indemnity payment to at least partially compensate you for uh, lower forage production, uh, presumably tied to that lower precipitation. How does this precipitation get measured and what's the factors that influence that? Uh, well, they use weather stations provided by NOAA, and uh, so it's separate from the insurance, uh, the people managing the insurance itself, They so the data comes from another entity, um, and it's based off of weather station data, and so, you know, that's kind of the tricky part about it, because as, as we know, you know, you go throughout the state, and there's a lot of places where, where things are pretty wide open, and maybe there's not a weather station nearby, but they use at least three of them, and they triangulate stuff and try to get the best guess that they can for what the rainfall was in that particular grid. But there's obviously some what we call basis risk between what you would experience on your particular land and your pasture versus what the index says. Um, and there's not a, a lot we can do about that, right? Because they're they're pulling it in from the various weather stations and making uh, a guesstimate on how much rainfall fell in a fairly wide area. 
and you may have experienced something quite a bit different on your operation. So we we commonly hear people say, you know, well, I had a had plenty of rain and I got paid and I don't know why. Well, the index was low uh, in that case. And then the opposite of that is usually what we hear the most of, which is I'm really dry, but the index was high and I didn't get paid. And that can vary, you know, throughout the country. I've, uh, I've seen different uh, things that people have said. Um, but there's not, I guess the thing I can say is, is that it's, it's not meant to trick you or take advantage of you in any way. Um, it's, it's, uh, basically pulling from, uh, consistently from weather stations to build an index over time. And if you stick with it over time, it'll be, you know, the, the premium that you're being charged should be fairly consistent with what you're actually experiencing over overall. But any one year can be a little bit frustrating once in a while with that. So let's talk about the premium and the cost of this insurance. How does that work? Well, it is, um, it's required by law to be actuarially fair. So that's why I say if you stick with it over time. So they're looking at basically the probability that they'll pay out an indemnity to somebody for a two-month interval. So they look back through history. They say, how often is this below? Say you're insuring at the 90% level. They'll say, what's the expected payout over a long term at a 90% coverage level? And then they, that's what their full premium charge would be based on. And uh the subsidy will cover a little bit over half of that full premium. So depending upon the level that you're at, if you're at 90% coverage, um, the subsidy is at 51%. So roughly 50-50 split between you and the government on on the uh, actual premium charge. If you go down to the 70 70 or 75% coverage level, that subsidy goes up to 59%. So some people prefer to insure at the lower levels for various reasons um, to save money on the um, premium charge in general because the probability of being low uh, below 70 or 75% is obviously lower than it is to be below 90%. And um, so they save on that, but then plus they get a little bit higher premium. So there's different strategies that are played out on where to actually uh, which months to put the coverage in, and then, of course, uh, what level to insure at. Another thing that you need to decide when you're picking the insurance is what's the value of my forage? How is that determined? Those are done on a county uh, basis. So each county will have a pr- what they call a productive value uh, for, for rangeland. And uh, in a lot of the counties, say like if you're up in the sand hills, a lot of those have, you know, very similar uh, productive values. And it, it varies throughout the state. Obviously, it gets higher as you move to the east and higher rainfall areas. Um, but basically, it's judging by, you know, what what the carrying capacity of the range is. And then as a uh, as a producer taking out the insurance, you can you can vary off of that. So let's just say that your productive value is somewhere in the, in the low $20 an acre range or something like that. You can push that up to one and a half times that amount if you prefer, or you can drop it down to 60% that amount. And all that really changes is the dollar value of coverage that you're taking out. The premium rates and all that would stay the same. So you can add more dollar value coverage if you like. And and I some people do that, and that's, that's perfectly okay. I don't necessarily recommend that people lower the dollar value of coverage because there's other more practical ways to lower the dollar value of coverage and save money on your premiums, like insuring at a lower rainfall rate or just insuring fewer acres. Probably a little better way to go that route. But but if people want to up the dollar amount, it's perfectly okay to go up above the 100% level. Just understand that that's scaling everything so that your uh, premiums go up, but, but so do the indemnities in terms of the coverage dollar value that you have in place. Jay, in the article, you highlight a website where people can go and actually look at a tool that would show how this insurance would have performed for them historically. Tell us some more about that tool and the value of working through that. 
Well, I like to use that for various examples when I'm out working with producers because, first of all, the tool has a map on it. And uh, so you can, you know, put in your nearest address and find your actual pasture in there and put a pin down in your pasture and find out what grid you're in. And then this data goes all the way back to 1948. So if you wanted to just look at your rainfall in that grid for, you know, the past 50, 60, 70 years, you could do that. And it's all exportable to Excel if you wanted to look at that. But I generally go in there and uh, put in a, a sample coverage that I'm thinking about. And you can see what the premium rates are for the different uh, two-month intervals that you could be insuring. And you can go back through time and, and uh, however many years you'd like to look at, it'll show you what your uh, payout would have been in theory. It'll show you the most recent uh, premium rates that they have available that are in there. Uh, but then you can go back to the last uh, 20 years or so, which is a number I use quite frequently because uh, it captures those dry, you know, periods of dry years and wet years uh, quite well. Um, and you can see how it would have paid out over time. And so, so, a person can come up with some different strategies, plug them in there and get a pretty good feel for how this would have paid or not paid over the last several years. And then equate that to some of their experiences um, that they've had uh, production wise and uh, say, you know, the years that they really could have used the money and they could see a strategy that would have paid them a, uh, an indemnity in those years and helped out. That's probably a, a good strategy to use then if, uh, to utilize PRF in their operation. Jay, when I've looked at these scenarios, uh, depending on how you work with it, if you are purchasing the insurance annually for several years, long-term, it appears that you're going to have greater indemnity than the cost of the premium. Uh, share your thoughts on that and why does it work that way? Yeah, well, it works that way because they are required by law to be actuarially sound. So, so the total premium they collect needs to match up fairly closely with what they pay out overall. And the total premium they collect includes a subsidy from the government. So producers paying roughly half of what they are actually collecting. So if you use that logic, it should pay back somewhere in that, um, you know, two to one type of ratio, right? So if I put in a dollar, government puts in a dollar, it should over the long haul be paying back two bucks. Um, it's not quite that high for most cases. It just kind of depends upon uh, your cover, how far back you look in time and, and, what's going on in your region because we have weather uncertainty that ebbs and flows with it. Um, but uh, overall, there's uh, it's hard. You'd be hard pressed if you look at a 20 year span to come up with a, come up with an example that doesn't pay back at least like a 40 percent or 50 percent, somewhere in that range. you got to work pretty hard to find some regions and some coverage levels that don't do that. And that's up and down the board. Right. So if you go 90 percent coverage or 70 percent coverage, of course, that shifts how it pays back and, and the amounts per acre kind of stuff. Uh, but overall, that rate of return is fairly similar, um, dependent upon those um, uh, subsidy levels. If I purchase the insurance, when is the premium due? Uh, the premium comes due in September. So you got some time. So the way it works is you basically get your indemnity. Indemnities come back um throughout the year in theory, right? So if you get an indemnity and you still owe a premium, they subtract your premium from that indemnity until the premium is paid up. And if it's all paid up by the time that becomes due uh, in that end of summer range there, uh, then you wouldn't owe anything. If you still owed something at that point, you'd have to write a check for the uh, rest of your premium at that point, but then you still have several months left in the year to actually recoup some of that. Um, and they keep pushing that back from, you know, way back when it originated. But uh, yeah, right in that end of the summer, September range is when you have to have that premium paid. 
Jay, you've done some analysis in terms of the number of policies that have been issued in Nebraska and also the level of indemnity that's been paid with those in the article that you lay that out and just share that, but just kind of give us a brief overview of what's happened with policies and what's happened with indemnities over the last several years here. Yeah, well, we're we're right, uh, I don't know if I want to say in the middle of, because it might be the tail end. I don't know what next year is going to bring, but we've had three pretty dry years in 2020, 2021, and again here in 2022, where PRF across the state has really paid out uh, you know, quite well in terms of the uh, premiums paid versus what was paid out to producers. So our producer loss ratio, in other words, dollars in indemnity paid out to producers versus dollars collected from the producers, not including the subsidy that the uh, government paid has been well over two to one. So um, we're on track in 2022. Um, last I pulled it up was through the first uh, three quarters of the year. I think it was October 11th was the date of the chart that I put in the article and it was already at 2.7. So $2.70 paid out to producers for a dollar collected in, in, in premiums from producers. Um, and we still got several months left in the year. And it's typical when you have dry weather and big payouts. Um, and like I said, 220 was the beginning, 2020 was the beginning of this dry spell. Uh, it ticks up a lot of interest. So so we were tracking right around a thousand policies per year for several years. And then a uh, 2020 hit and pretty much everybody got paid and it paid out almost three to one. And uh, we've seen those numbers tick up quite a bit. And in 2022, we had a, over 2,300 policies sold. So well, over more than double what we had in 2020, just a few years back. And we're still seeing a lot, you know, pretty much everybody get paid some sort of an indemnity off of that. Um, about 30 million has already been paid out in Nebraska this year. So um, I suspect that, you know, dry weather uh, certainly drives some interest, uh, but this is a strategy and this is something people got to stick with o- over time uh, to make it work really well for them. Jay, what advice would you have for those folks who maybe have not participated in pasture rangeland forage insurance before are considering it? What are some things they need to know before they go and sit down with their crop insurance agent? Well, one of them is is to uh, find out what's going on in their grids, uh, find out how many grids are in, for example, because, uh, you know, like these grids sound large, but it's pretty easy to have a pasture that's uh, in a single pasture that's in more than one grid, let alone have several pastures that are spread across several grids. To find out what you're working with there, take a look at the data and see kind of how it would pay out and put in some, you know, go online to the RMA website, rma.usda.gov. And I put the URL to the actual tool in the article uh, itself that they can go directly to the tool. But play with some different coverages and when you might need it. And I always encourage people to think in, in uh, you know, strategically about this because this is not something that you want to bounce in and out of purchasing one year to the next. And it's not something that you want to change the strategies of where you put your coverage and how much coverage you put on one year to the next. So you want to spend some time and get comfortable with what you're trying to accomplish with it and uh, and and use that tool and see some different things and how it would have paid out and see if that makes sense for your situation so that you can come up with a strategy that you can stick with for a number of years. Because typically we see like we saw the last three years, you know, we see dry spells come and go. We see wet spells come and go. Um, you know, some years it barely pays out and then barely pays out again the next year. And you start to say, well, I don't need the coverage. And sure enough, if you drop the coverage, you have a really dry year and wish you would have had it. So so spend some time to get comfortable with it and um, think about where 
you could have used the money and where you um, where it would have paid out and try to get those things to match up. And that's usually where I see people most satisfied with it is if they've taken some time to look at the tool, see how it would have paid out, and they take some time to look at their situation, not just their production situation, but their financial situation. In those years where they could have used the money, would this tool have helped pay and, and close some of their financial gap? And for the years that this tool didn't pay, in other words, they, they got stuck with a premium and hardly any indemnity or maybe no indemnity, was that a good financial year that it wasn't that big of a hit for them? So those types of things are things that I encourage people to do before they sit down with the crop insurance agent, because those are things they need access to their information to really get a good feel for that before they go in and talk to them and, and ask the right questions. Anything else on this topic, Jay, that you think would be valuable? Just the emphasis that this is a strategic tool, as we say, right? It's not something you want to bounce in and out of. So it gets a lot of attention now because we have drought going on. But who, who knows what next year is going to look like or 2024 and beyond. Um, so come up with a good strategy. Make it part of your plan and stick with it. And because of the subsidy levels and they're uh, required by law to be actuarially sound, it should be something in the long run that'll work out for you. It's just a matter of how it works out for you and if it fits uh, all the objectives that you're trying to uh, achieve by using it. Thanks again for joining me today. Thanks for having me on, Aaron. So for more information on the topic that was discussed in today's Beef Watch podcast, I would encourage you to visit the beef.unl.edu website. Again, the title of the article that was discussed today, Drought Risk Management Planning, PRF Insurance Sign-Up Deadline is December 1st.